Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and actually, this is the 40th episode of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking, and in my opinion, a milestone. Uh, some of you may know me very well. Some of you don't know me that well as, at all. I tend to, when I start something like this, not finish it or see it completely ahead. Um, I get a little busy or a little lazy, and I'll be like, okay, I can record next week, or I can do something about it, you know, I'll do a best of show. I put my mind to it with the thanks of Nate Maxson, Aaron Maxson, and the entire We Can't Wrestle podcast and WrestleNet Radio family. I have grown a love to want to do this, that if I do have to miss a week, or if something is going on, I do my best to make time and do something to get it on the air for that particular week, unless it's a holiday or a major family emergency, in which case then I know you guys understand. So, enough about my blubbering about this being our 40th episode, though, which I'm still pretty stoked about. Next week, I hope to have some numbers to talk about uh, viewership here on uh, If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking, and in doing so, I will be uh, talking about possibly a giveaway uh, as numbers go up for the uh, fan page that I have up on Facebook, as well as the numbers on the show go up. I may be giving you guys away some free stuff, so the more you listen, the more you interact, who knows, the more you may get. <clears throat> Today's show, we will be doing our normal set of quick hits, but then we will be talking about two shows and two shows only, and that is WWE NXT Vengeance Day, which took place on Tuesday on the uh, Sci-Fi Network, as uh, USA has been preempted for NXT and Monday Night Raw uh, because of the Olympics. So they were on Sci-Fi this week. Uh, and then we will be talking about the WWE Elimination Chamber from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, uh, and all that went on there. I have a couple of things that grinds my gear, but... Let's not rush right into that. Let's head on into some quick hits. Go ahead and pop open your favorite frosty beverage. I've got mine. And listen to me spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. Uh, quick hit number one. Cody Rhodes and his wife, Brandy, leave AEW after contract negotiations hit a wall. Now, Cody was a vice president. Over there in AEW, he's actually an EVP, which makes him an executive vice president. He was doing a good job, in my opinion, except for when the fans were booing him out of the arena. But I think that was mostly due to his character and the fact that he refused to turn heel. I don't think it has to do with anything Cody was doing personally. Um, I find it very crazy to think that Cody left um, and that his contract could not be well negotiated between himself and Tony Khan as well as the Young Bucks and Eddie Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. I just don't understand how Cody could allow this to happen, or even Tony Khan could. And the rumors have been swirling for the last couple of days that Cody Rhodes and wife Brandy are headed back to the WWE. Now, I'm not Cody Rhodes, but I would say that over the last couple of years, three years that he's been gone from the WWF, WWE, he's made some great money, having worked for Ring of Honor, Impact, 
AEW in Japan and the indie scene. I would imagine that Cody does not really need a major million dollar contract in order to go back to the WWE and, and join them once again. So it's not about the money. Cody looks like he's pretty well off to me. And we both know, you the fans and myself, know that if Cody Rhodes were to go back to the WWE, well, I'm going to say it politely in that he would be getting the Christian Cage treatment. In that when Christian Cage left the WWE and went to TNA, he became a two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Well, Cody Rhodes in his time away from the WWE became Ring of Honor Champion, NWA Champion, IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion, as well as AEW TNT Champion on three separate occasions. Uh, now, sometimes people will say belts don't mean anything. Well, some of those belts that Cody won, he won from some pretty big players, such as Jay Lethal um, and Lance Archer in battles with him. Um, you know, um, he won the NWA title from Nick Aldis. Cody earned those belts. If he goes back to the WWE, I'd be surprised if he even got another run with the United States or Intercontinental Championships or possibly forced into a tag team with someone made to become a tag team champion. He's going to be treated like a whipping mule dog um, and be made to admit that him leaving was the worst thing he could have ever done and that the uh, all elite people are nothing but a, but a bunch of minor leagues where the WWE is the major league. We all know that's what's going to happen. Cody, if I were him, I would go back to the NWA. Um, and with all that's going on with Matt Cordona um, and um, Nick Aldis, find a way to get a shot at the NWA title once that feud is over. Become NWA champion again if he can. Go back to Ring of Honor. Buy Ring of Honor, for God's sakes. Go back to Impact. Do something other than going back to the WWE. Cody Rhodes does not deserve to have to go kiss Vince McMahon's ass. He does not need to go kiss Nick Khan's ass and then in two years possibly be um, given his um, release because of, contra uh, because of you know, all those budget cuts because the WWE is not profitable, right? So whatever does happen, though, I wish Cody Rhodes the absolute best. He is definitely a great wrestler. He is someone who has grown. He is someone that I enjoy watching. I love his entrance music. And that is a, it is an ode to his father. And I just hope that Cody goes for a better landscape and a better place rather than money and heading back to the WWE because he thinks they're going to make him the next Drew McIntyre. Sorry, Cody. That only worked for Drew. I don't think it's going to work for you. Number two, CM Punk and MJF at Revolution will have a dog collar match. It is only the second dog collar match in AEW history. The last time was between Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee. God rest his soul. And it will be the, one of the first dog collar matches in this century for quite some time. Um, Punk cited that MJF wants to be Roddy Roddy Piper. Punk says that, yeah, well, he's Roddy Piper. And will MJF be his valentine? Uh -huh. And I have to say, I have seen both of these guys in street fights, 
and in brawls uh, outside of AEW, inside of AEW. They both know how to bleed. They both know how to fight. And I think it would be one hell of a matchup to see these two strap a dog collar on and go head uh, head to head. Uh, their first match was really, really good. Uh, I mean, people say, well, there was outside interference. I don't see it. Wardlow didn't even touch Punk except for throwing MJF the uh, ring. And MJF is a damn heel. So what were you expecting? Um, I am fully prepared to see uh, Bloodbath and one hell of a matchup. So whatever the case is, AEW, take my money. I'm on board. I will be ordering Revolution. And I'll probably be reviewing it for the folks at home. Um, I guarantee you we're in for a barn burner when it comes to Punk versus MJF. And number three, WWE offers Stone Cold Steve Austin a match at WrestleMania. Now, there are rumors that it could be against Kevin Owens in a battle with the Stunners, in which that Owens may get the win in order to allow Austin to pass him the torch. And then there are also rumors that it will be against Goldberg, uh, giving us the match that we never got in the 90s and we always wanted. Well, we also wanted Sting versus The Undertaker in the 90s. We, however, were happy not to get it in 2016 because we realized it would not be what we wanted. Now, we got Goldberg versus The Undertaker in Saudi Arabia, and Goldberg nearly killed Mark Calloway um, and also hurt himself and gave himself a concussion midway into that match. Um, as I'm going to get into in just a bit when we get into the uh, Elimination Chamber match, uh, and Goldberg took on Roman Reigns for the World Heavyweight title, Goldberg is not himself anymore. Um, and we have not seen Stone Cold Steve Austin in the ring in quite some time. God forbid one of these guys gets badly injured, paralyzed, or does something to hurt the other one that they will regret for the rest of their lives. Um, Goldberg has already taken Bret Hart out. He almost took out The Undertaker. Maybe it's time to let uh, the old cowboy and Goldberg ride off into the sunset. In any case, if they don't allow Stone Cold to wrestle, that's fine. Allow him to be the host. Let him come out there, throw a stunner or two, let him get involved a little bit, drink a little bit of beer, and enjoy himself the way The Rock did, the way Hogan did, the way Flair has done. It's not needed for Stone Cold to ever come back to the ring. Let us remember him as the goddamn wrestling god that he was. And don't spoil it with doing anything that you're going to regret. You did it to us with Sean. You've done it to us with Undertaker. You've done it to us with Goldberg. About the only one you can't do it to us with is The Rock, because The Rock is in still great shape and can still go. Um, I don't want them to have you know a chance to hurt or tarnish um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, his legacy, or him physically. So... Maybe this isn't the best of ideas. But who am I? I'm just a guy doing a podcast. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and now segue into NXT Vengeance Day. Um, this was a show on the USA Network, or rather the Sci-Fi Network, as I said before, because we were preempted. And it was to host some pay-per-view quality matches. 
show started with a toxic attraction opening. Uh, these three women were texting each other about the evening that was coming up, Vengeance Day, and it was really well done. Seeing these beauties gossip on a video call was actually quite brilliant. I thought it was funny, and I really do like what Toxic Attraction has been doing as a team in a in NXT. So keep it up. The more the merrier. I'm happy with whatever they're doing. First opening matchup is the cage filled with weapons, and that is Pete Dunne taking on Tony D'Angelo. This was a war from the minute both guys got into the cage. Neither gave an inch, and D'Angelo cuffing Dunn was amazing. Uh, it was it, it just became barbaric. Dunn hit his second fairy tale ending though to get the win. Uh, great opening match, one hell of a fight. Uh, I kind of hope that this is done now, not because I have a problem with Tony D'Angelo anymore. Like I said, he's done his best to get into my good graces as a wrestler. I want Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn challenging for either the North American or NXT Championship. So I think it's time that he move away from Tony and get into something a little better. Raquel and Cora trained for the Women's Dusty Cup. I get the story they're trying to tell here, but involve more people. Show us behind the scenes for all of the teams that are going to be going on. You didn't do it for the men's. Do it for the women's here. Maybe I'm wrong, though. P quick promos from the Creed Bros and MSK before their matchup later on tonight in the Dusty Cup Finals. Both teams look ready, and I am souped up for a, one hell of a matchup between them. Then we go to Toxic Attraction defending the Women's World Heavyweight Tag Team titles. Against Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada. JG and Gigi, uh, excuse me, JC and Gigi controlled this match from the outset. And except for a couple of spurts from Parada, the champs kept hold of their opponents. Parada made the tag to Indy, but Indy couldn't get anything going. And before long, Toxic Attraction hit a double team finisher and got the win. Now, I'm not going to say this was a bad match, but what I am going to say is. They've been playing out the Parada and Indy Hartwell uh, dissension in the ranks uh, storyline here for quite some time. Parada doesn't like that Indy is too involved with Dexter, her husband. They should have never been given a shot at the tag team titles, in my opinion. It should have been one of the other women's tag teams. But they were. Match was still good, but mainly because Gigi and JC kept the pace. Wendy Cho is looking for a tag team partner for the Dusty Cub, and apparently it's Dakota Kai. This could actually end up being quite funny because Dakota Kai hears voices and Wendy Chu sleeps. I think they might have a way to play with each other there and have some fun with it. Uh, Grayson Waller arrives to the arena and is looking for LA Knight with some police assistance. The And then we go to uh, the Jensen and Briggs backstage segments where they talk about Caden and Casey. They've gotten a little boring. I understand they're trying to say that Jensen is in love with Caden uh, uh, but this is not going to be like Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis was. You guys are pushing it now. Back up, start all over, and let this big, brawny tag team go out there and fight. That's all I'm going to say. Inside the ring, Grayson Waller finds uh, his restraining order against LA Knight is null and void because he touched LA Knight in there for provoking him. Uh, Knight beat down the annoying Waller and let him know that next week, They'll go one-on-one. -on -one. I hope this ends it. I hope that Knight can get back into a, a decent storyline and actually winning some matches. And I hope that Grayson Waller maybe gets off my television. But I doubt it.
We see a small rift backstage between Indy and Parada again, continuing to grow when Dexter Loomis appears and she walks off with him. And then Duke Hudson walks up and takes Parada away. Uh, we then hear from Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa says he's going to prove himself to Dolph Ziggler and get his rematch for the NXT Championship. I honestly cannot wait for Dolph Ziggler and Tommaso Ciampa. They are two of the absolute best workers in the WWE, and seeing them go one-on-one -on -one will be absolutely fantastic. And then we go to our first singles title match of the evening. Carmelo Hayes taking on Cameron Grimes, two incredible athletes, and neither wanted to take the L. Grimes tried everything in his moveset, but Hayes kicked out. Yes, he did. That big splash, double stomp. Grimes couldn't get it done. The same can be said, though, about the champion, because everything that he threw at Grimes just wouldn't put the challenger down. But one last trick, Williams, that is, got a little distraction and got Hayes to win. Incredible match between both of these guys. And I kind of hope this one isn't over. I'd like to see them go maybe one or two more times, maybe a best two out of three falls, because God knows with their body of work, both of them deserve it. <laughs> we see Io Shirai and um, Kaylee Ray spending some quality time together. They're breaking some plates and bottles backstage. I love this tag team, and I hope they win the Women's Dusty Cup. I would love to see them challenge for the tag team titles. And I think they have a lot of uh, potential in the long run. Uh, we then go to the Creed Bros taking on MSK in the finals of the Dusty Cup. Two different styles here, but both teams worked great together. MSK speed is unbelievable, especially Carter. Wesley and Carter put their bodies on the line throughout the entire match. The Creeds are doing things no other team is willing to try, and has showed it here in this one. Brutus exploded with his suplexes, and Julius was deadly with his strikes. Finish came out of nowhere, but the Creed's got the win, and in my opinion, it was well-deserved. MSK won it last year. There's never been two, you know, a two-time winner yet. Creed brothers deserve it. They will now get their shot against Imperium. And speaking of that, Imperium take to the ring and congratulate the Creed's on their way, on their win. Walter says it's now time for him to become a champion in NXT, but Solo Sukhoi interrupts and says he plans to beat down Walter in that ring and all around the arena. Um, Sukhoi is a badass. We've seen that in his battles with Boa. Walter is as bad as they come. Um, I'm interested to see these two go at it. Can't lie. And then we get to our main event. Braun Breaker defending the NXT Championship against uh, Escobar, and been waiting for this match for three weeks, and it didn't disappoint. Escobar used his speed and played a nice game of human chess with Breaker. He had him thinking, and he had me thinking that we'd see a new champion a couple of times in this one, but Braun kept fighting back. Ziggler tried to interfere, but Tommaso Ciampa cut him off. Uh, Breaker made one final comeback and hit a devastating spear, and his huge power slam to get the win. Unbelievable main event. I enjoyed every bit about this match and this entire show from top to bottom. And I got to give this show a five out of five here, ladies and gentlemen. A couple of backstage segments that really didn't need to be there, but they only took a couple minutes. That's the way to do it. Don't drag it out. Don't make me watch something for 10 or 15 minutes that I don't want to see. Let them play out and then go to your bigger and better stuff.
Um, five out of five, and NXT continues their roller coaster like weeks where one week they're down to a 2.5, the next week they're back up to a five, then they're back down to a three. As long as they can continue to put on quality wrestling, give me a story that I like, at least in somewhere in that rubble, I'm okay with it. We now come to show number two, and that is WWE's Elimination Chamber from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Uh, they've done shows there before. <coughs> we all wish they wouldn't anymore, but what are you going to do? Now, if this was not such a high-profile pay-per-view as Elimination Chamber with the matches that they had planned, I would not have looked at it. If this was like where they were just doing, um, you know, the older guys versus the newer, the younger guys, like when they did DX versus The Undertaker and Shawn, and Braun Strowman won that 40-man battle royal and all that, I wouldn't have had to look at it. But you've got two world title matches. You've got the, you know, the women's elimination chamber match, the women's title, Becky Lynch and Lita. How can I not look at this pay-per-view? So we open up with Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. This is a standard Goldberg match. So if you missed it, it's okay. They battled on the outside, and then we saw a spear by Goldberg a rock bottom by Roman Reigns, and a second spear by Goldberg. Reigns reversed the jackhammer into his guillotine submission and got the win in six minutes. It wasn't great, but at least it was short and sweet. Hopefully this moves Goldberg out of the way, and we don't got to see him for another six months to a year, if at all. It's then time for the women's elimination chamber match. All six women were highlighted and given time to be themselves and develop their characters in the match. Rhea and Bianca showing off their strength was incredible. Liv and Bliss were with some innovative offense, some new offense, and Nikki Ash just being herself, definite highlights. Dewdrop showed a more, much more sinister side, and Bianca Belair got the win after taking out uh, Alexa Bliss. WWE proved that they can do long-term booking here because we are now back to Bianca Belair, challenging Becky Lynch for the World Heavyweight Women's title uh, back to SummerSlam, and now here we are at Mania. Well done here, WWE. Well done. We then go to Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville taking on Ronda Rousey and Naomi in a women's tag match. Uh, I've grown a bit tired of the Naomi and Sonya uh, feud, but the Rousey and Charlotte feud kind of helped it a little bit the last couple of weeks. Some decent action here, but nothing great. Naomi showed some good speed. Charlotte played the chicken shit heel to the T when she needed to, and Rousey destroyed Sonya Deville. Rousey and Naomi get the win. Not bad, but not great either. We then go to Drew McIntyre taking on Madcap Moss. I don't like the Madcap Moss uh, character. I don't like the Baron Corbin character that he's playing currently with the jokes and the ha-ha-has and the pork pie hats and all that, but that being said, this was a stiff-looking match, and a couple of times I was wondering, is Moss seriously injured? Uh, he got in some good offense, but McIntyre was just too much for the comedian, and after kicking Madcap all over the arena, McIntyre hit the Claymore and got the win. Uh, I really hope this doesn't mean that we're now going to Corbin versus McIntyre uh, for Mania. I hope they can get that done on Raw and maybe put Drew in a better feud. But it is what it is, I guess. From the world title to battling Madcap Moss and Baron Corbin. <laughs> we 
We then go to the women's title match. Becky Lynch taking on Lita, and Lita proved that she still has it because she went toe-to-toe with Becky for a little over 20 minutes. Becky hit Lita with everything she could, and at the same time, uh, Lita hit just about every finisher in her bag of goodies. Uh, They kicked out of each other's finishers, though, and uh, even pulled out a few new moves, but neither could get the job done. Um, Becky missed a moonsault. Lita hit her twist of fate and another moonsault, and I thought it was it, but Becky kicked out. A manhandle slam later, and Becky got the win. Best match of the night, in my opinion, because you had two warriors actually battling it out tooth and nail throughout the entire matchup. Uh, Becky gets the win. She now moves on to take on Bianca, but congratulations to Lita, who proves that she can still get the job done in a one-on-one match as well. We then get a vignette for The Undertaker and him going into the Hall of Fame. And if there's one thing that the WWE does well, it's vignettes. This retrospect of The Undertaker was the best that I've seen and made me appreciate the dead man even more than I did before. Uh, He deserves to be going into the Hall of Fame. The question is who will join him and who is going to be the one inducting him. A lot of people say Kane. Some say Vince himself. If it were me, I would have it be a list of his friends, you know, maybe bring out the Godfather, let Kane be there, you know, just like when they said goodbye to him, let there be three or four guys on that stage that roast him a little bit, make fun, (coughs) tell a couple of stories each, and then let him come out and say his thanks. (coughs) And then we go to a completely and utterly pointless segment. The Viking Raiders are supposed to take on excuse me, are supposed to take on the Usos for the World Tag Team titles. The Usos attacked the Raiders and left them laying. We never got a match, and I'm assuming this is scrapped due to time. Uh, I'm not sure. Whatever the case may be, though, um, it's just pointless. Why didn't we do this on SmackDown then? You know, we could have saved this, saved flying four other guys over to Saudi Arabia and, you know, just went to the men's elimination match, but that's fine. We now go to the men's elimination chamber match, though. And AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, Austin Theories, and Matt Riddle did amazing throughout this entire matchup. Um, We then saw Seth Rollins injure Lashley before he even got out of his pod by sending, I believe it was Riddle, if I'm correct here, (coughs) Riddle through and through the pod into Lashley. Lashley hit his head and then was removed from the ring Uh, because of uh, concussion protocol, uh, we later found out that Lashley has been dealing with a bad back injury and will require surgery that will leave him out four months, if not more. So Lashley had to be taken out of the match. Uh, They didn't want him doing any more damage. So Lashley is gone. We've got four men in the ring. Brock Lesnar is released, and Brock Lesnar mows down AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, Matt Riddle, and then murders Austin Theory off the top of a pod, gets the one, two, three, your winner and new WWE champion, Brock Lesnar. So he walks into WrestleMania as the WWE champion with a guaranteed match with Universal Champion Roman Reigns, title versus title. We've seen it before, but never between these two. We've seen these two fight before, but never with this much on the line. So I guess. We'll be talking about WrestleMania in both days that it is in 
detail. Um, I, 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 you know, the whole thing with Lashley, we finally got the questions answered, but there were a lot of unanswered questions. It's like, why did Austin Theory have to die? Why did Brock have to destroy AJ Riddle and, and Seth? You know, why, why couldn't this have been an evenly placed matchup? And then Brock's the one, who knows? But I give this whole show a 3.5 out of 5. The two chamber matches were great, and Becky and Lita were incredible. But this was a show with some flaws, and it was not exactly the best of the best. But that's fine. It's okay. <clears throat> if you didn't watch it and you still want to go back and watch it, go ahead. Because like I said, there are some highlights and some good moments. No redo. No reason for you guys to miss it, but if you did miss it, watch Monday Night Raw, catch some recaps, see what's going on, get some highlights off of YouTube. It'll be like you were there, folks. And now that brings us to my favorite part of the show, what grinds my gears. And I have two again this week because, well, there's some stupidity going on in the world of professional wrestling again shit that makes me go, what the fuck is going on? Number one, wrestlers posting on social media about hurtful signs in arena in arenas making them feel bad. Such as on AEW recently, there being a sign that says Adam Cole has a dad bod. You know... That's just about one of the stupidest things I've ever fucking heard in my life. You're a wrestler. You're meant to be a tough guy. You play one on television. That is your part. How about playing one on social media, too? Where the hell is kayfabe? Where the hell is keeping the business a little bit of a secret? If you are a grown-ass man, and you're writing on social media, that a fan hurt your feelings because they called you fat, or said you had a dad bod, shame on you. Not shame on the fan. The fan plopped down anywhere from 25 to $300 uh, in order to come and see that show. They've got um, the right to freedom of speech. They are encouraged to bring signs. There have been signs since the Attitude Eras that said things about wrestlers' moms, that said things about wrestlers being gay, that said things about wrestlers being uh, uh, stupid, you know what I mean? Uh, the things about uh, female wrestlers marrying them, uh, the fans and things like that. And never was there a time back in that time of, of age in the Attitude Era where anybody who ever went on social media or any platform and said, they're hurting my feelings, they're making me feel uncomfortable. No, no. But today's era of wrestlers are pussies, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, I said it. You can bleep me if you want to, Nate, but it's exactly what they are. Um, the Undertaker mentioned about a year and a half, two years ago, that when he first broke into the business, he walked backstage of a wrestling match, and he saw guys like Harley Race with a gun and a holster under his arm and a cigar in his mouth and other guys playing poker at a table couple of other guys were sitting there in their towel and arguing. Uh, one guy was, you know, using a knife to clean his fingernails. And he just, he felt like he was actually in a prison 
and not in the back of a wrestling show. And he said, now when he walks backstage, it's like he walked into an Abercrombie and Finch catalog and everybody's playing a video game. Basically, what the dead man was saying is the business went from being hard as nails to soft as baby shit. And seeing things like I said, like wrestlers writing on social media, that a sign hurt their feelings. Shame on you. You should be happy that you're getting any kind of a reaction from that wrestler, from that fan. You should be happy that those fans know your name. You should be happy that you're on national television and that you are enjoying the success that you have. Otherwise, you would be in a bingo hole in front of 20 people, barely getting paid by the damn owner. Shame on you. It's not the way it used to be anymore, folks. Definitely not. And number two, <clears throat> I want you guys to understand something. Number one was there because I don't ever want you guys to say that I'm a part of the He-Man Woman's Hater Club fan club and that I only pick on the women. I pick on the guys just as much. But Tegan Knox, number two, Tegan Knox, saying that the reason she was let go by the WWE and fired with the 80 other some people was because WWE did not like her look and then the fact that she's five foot six with dark hair and has tattoos. Uh, and that WWE was going back to a more diva-esque look, such as Carmella and Zelina Vega. Tegan, your former tag team partner, Shotzi Blackheart, has green hair and is covered in tattoos. I believe you have five, Tegan. Rhea Ripley, who is the former women's champion, both in NXT and on the Raw brand, is covered in tattoos with short blonde hair, has piercings all over her face. They're both gorgeous women, by the way. You then look at women like Tamina. You then look at Natalia. You then see other women on the roster like Dewdrop and many others, such as Nikki A.S.H., Bianca Belair. Gorgeous women, but amazing athletes. Day in and day out, honing their craft, bringing out new moves, being innovative, being creative, being a voice of something that younger women and men can look up to, being role models. Zelina Vega got fired and got rehired because of her body of work, not because of her beauty, but because of the way that she works, how great of a manager she is and how good of a wrestler she is. Carmella has changed her hair color more than once and has learned her craft and honed it to become a former women's champion and now the women's world tag team champion. It's not just about beauty there. In fact, they even put a mask around her face nowadays that makes her look like a, a, a bondage uh, doll now instead of even seeing her face. Um, my point being is there is not one woman in the WWE who look identical to each other nowadays. They are all Charlotte Flair, tall blonde, 
gorgeous and has the roots in this business because her father is a flair. Rhea Ripley, powerhouse, gorgeous woman, damn right scary when it comes to the brute force she can pull off. Bianca Belair, gorgeous, fast, cunning, and amazing when it comes to getting the fans behind her. The boss, Shasha Banks, gorgeous, fast, love of this business, downright cares about the fans. Even Ronda Rousey and all that shit that she did with calling this business fake. Still loves this business and doesn't look like anybody on the roster. Tegan Knox, for you to say that WWE is looking to get back to the diva's way of, of, of thinking and looking, and that it was because of your tattoos and your look that you were fired. No. Tegan, you were fired because you got injured five times in the three years you worked there in NXT and had to be out six months every time. Five times six is three years. That's 30 months out of the great years you worked there. Every time they tried to push you, you got injured. Now, I'm not saying that you were begging to get injured. I'm not saying that it was your fault that you got injured. But other wrestlers who were just as good, if not better than you, Ken Kennedy, got fired because he was injury prone. Other wrestlers who were better than you, got fired because he was they were injury prone. It has nothing to do with your ability. It has nothing to do with your look. The WWE has put money and stock into you, giving you a chance to go out there and wrestle. If you can't do it, they have no reason to keep you around. They just like they fired Samoa Joe twice. Why? Because in the time Samoa Joe was there, he was injured quite a few times. Now, you were a great wrestler, Tegan, when you were in the ring. They were pushing you in Shotzi, and then you got injured again. The same way you got injured before War Games. The same way you got injured when you and Dakota were being pushed in NXT. The same way you got injured after War Games, the second year. You need to tough, toughen up and stay safe and maybe work a better style. Because this injury shit. You ain't going to find yourself with a job because everywhere you're going to go, they're going to see you get injured. They're going to be like, we can't, we can't do it. Can't do it. And again, this is not a knock at you and your look. You were beautiful and you had a lot of great ability. But it ain't about a diva and it ain't about a woman's wrestler. And it's about who can do what in the ring and who elicits a reaction from the crowd. So please don't blame it on WWE. Please don't say they're going back to a diva style of look. No, you weren't cutting what you should have been in the ring because you weren't in the ring long enough while you were there. Plain and simple. So, that is going to do it for me, ladies and gentlemen. As always, I want to thank you for being here with me, listening to me skew my venom, my hate, and my love. Like I always say every time, for this crazy thing that we call professional wrestling. I will be back next week, as promised, hopefully to have the numbers to tell you how many listeners, views, clicks that we get on this show, and in doing so, hopefully announcing a giveaway as well. Thank you, as always. Continue to support myself and this show and the rest of the shows on We Can't Wrestle and WrestleNet Radio. 
um, Aaron Maxson's uh, The Year That Was, Nate Maxson's Slice of Time, all of us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, Nate, Aaron, and Chad over on Reliving the Extreme, David Gold and Nate Maxson on uh, Gold to Sm- <laughs> Maximum Gold. Damn, Nate, you're on a lot of shows. <laughs> Thank you as always. Have a great night, and I will see you next time on If You Smell the What the Arch is Cooking. Okay.